What if every day you had the chance to experience more love and intimacy in your life? We're going to be sharing stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. Enjoy this podcast with Dawn Richard. Wake up to real love. Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I'm so honored today to invite my friend Irina Shehovsov to the, to the show. Hi, Irina. Hi, Dawn. <laughs> and I even kind of pronounced it right, right? Yes, you did. <laughs> Irina is a beautiful, beautiful woman. She is uh, the founder of Reclaim Your Life and two times number one international best-selling author. She believes just like an electric plant generates electricity, that you can generate happiness from within, which is a daily practice. Irina is a certified NLP trainer, timeline therapy, and hypnotherapy master coach, certified wellness and 10x fitness coach. By taking a holistic 360-degree approach, she she focuses on restoring her clients' physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual states of being, which is why we align so well. Happiness Academy is her mentorship program that helps women remember who they are after a toxic relationship. Edina supports single parents in becoming better versions of themselves by sharing powerful stories on her podcast, Single Parent Success Stories. Welcome, Edina. Thank you, Dawn. It is a pleasure to be here. (laughs) This is a nice swap today. I was just on her podcast, and so now we're just doing one right after the other. Um, So I'm so grateful that you're here. We have so many things, uh, very similar stories, and so we're going to dive all into that in just a bit. But I have have an icebreaker question (laughs) that I usually like to ask, um, and it's really how how did tango change your life? Because you and I have that in common, too. Yes. I love tango because I love the creative expression of tango. I tried all the different uh, ballroom dances, and I found tango the most fascinating because you get to create every single dance is different. You get to create something new. It's not a boxed-in thing like with other ballroom dances where you learn one thing and you're just doing all all the time. <laughs> so. Tango allowed for amazing fitness, first of all, because I was able, I felt better in my body. Uh huh. And uh, I just felt better emotionally too and physically. <laughs> it was like a, a light in, in, in the end of the, not in the end of the tunnel, but one of the things that explore, like I love exploring creativity and different aspects of it. So dancing was that outlet for me. And how, how did you, uh, why did you say you felt better emotionally from tango? How? Because I believe we, we have that little five-year-old inside of us and we oftentimes keep ourselves cupped, like covered up. We have these big bodies. <laughs> Meantime, we're still kids on the inside. Uh-huh. And I think it was just a little opening because I was able, I believe in hobbies for people. It doesn't matter how old you are, you should still do your hobby. <laughs> Whether it's singing, dancing, painting, whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, tango, emotionally, I just felt better. I don't know why. <laughs> just felt good. No, I, I can totally relate because I remember when I started dancing tango, um, I was in the midst of my healing journey, and I did feel a, <clears throat> a greater sense of reconnection with who I am, like mm-hmm. at my core. Did you dance when you were a little girl? Not not tango, but other activities. I, I know wh- why it felt better, because my husband at the time didn't like me dancing. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was dancing before our relationship, during I, I didn't do anything. And then after it was over, it was like, finally, I can be myself again. So it was kind of getting back home to myself and realizing yeah. what I'm capable of and how amazing it makes you feel where you're inside your body and you're doing the things that you love doing instead of pretending to be somebody you are not. Yeah. Why do you, why do you think you allowed him to, um, 
him to influence you to not do the thing that brought you joy? I was compliant for the sake of peace. I didn't want to quarrel. I, I wanted to keep even kill a relationship. And that I didn't. So there, was, there wasn't even a discussion like, oh, I really love this. I, I don't remember. I don't think so. <laughs> I remember that he was very mad. <laughs> he was mad because why? Because you were dancing with other men? Probably that too, but uh, that I would go and I would stay there late because it's usually in the evening and right. day of work. Right. That's what probably was, yes. So you, I, I find this really fascinating because I talk to so many women that um, do the same thing. The, the things that they're passionate about they stop doing in order to accommodate and make their partner like keep the peace. Yeah. Why do, why do you think that we do that? I think it's how we are brought up that, you know, when you have a family, family comes first, Uh keeping the family happy, keeping the family is, uh, yeah, just happy. So you don't quarrel. You don't have these arguments. Uh-huh. Unnecessary, unnecessary arguments. And oftentimes, yeah, we as women box ourselves in. Uh-huh. So my passion, like from tango, I discovered another passion. I was started to bake. So oftentimes my husband will find me <laughs> baking at night when everybody was sleeping because finally I was able to do what I wanted to do. Right. And this is the time I could do it because during the day you work and then you have family and then I finally had a like, little outlet that I can do uh-huh. the baking. Uh-huh. Was there was there anything that he did that you said, oh, I don't want you to do that? No. No, he, he pretty much did whatever he wanted. <laughs> I mean, this is what I find this is what I find fascinating. Because you're not the only woman that has well, done this. You're not the only woman. Like a lot of women do this. And I don't, I mean, this is, you know, this is one of my questions. Like, why do we do this? Because that we think that, that the only way to keep everybody else happy is to lose our own sense of happiness. Yes. Like my happiness doesn't matter right now because I need to take care of all of this and you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can be happy. You can do all the things that you want to do. But for some reason, I feel like I have to sacrifice what makes me happy. Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> I know. I'm not like that anymore. <laughs> well, because you, because you also said that you had a hard time speaking up for yourself. And I think that that's really common as well for a lot of women. I mean, it probably is for some men too, but I think. You want to talk about that? Why why you had a hard time speaking up for yourself? I think it's it's how we are being brought up and when we have figures of authority in our youth and if that figure of authority has a lot of authority and then we as children are being conditioned to always comply with figure of authority whether it's your immediate family, your parents or your caregivers and then we see that then when a partner comes or husband comes, you see that as a figure of authority and you kind of comply because it's authority. (laughs) You're supposed to to do that. So what what about you as your own authority? Yeah, that that came later. That came after me losing my identity in the process of relationship because I didn't, I was so compliant and complacent and I didn't uh, raise my voice to voice my objections, I lost my identity. Because when we do that, when we still hear the warning bells in the head, like, this is not right. You should speak up. But for the sake of keeping peace in the relationship and thinking like on a big scheme of things, this is minor. But what happens when there are so many minor things along the way, you don't think of this one as as a big deal and the next one then a year later you turn around and you don't recognize yourself anymore how did you allow this to happen or that to happen well because those little things that you didn't think nothing about 
actually one of the big things is like little habits, tiny steps that we make that we don't even we take for granted mm-hmm. that can snowball into something huge. Something you didn't see coming, but you did because uh-huh. you, uh-huh. you dismiss them because we all most of the time we we choose to place our authority in other people. Mm-hmm. Whether it's our parents or caregivers, we give our body freely to the doctor to know better for us what's in the best interest for us, but we forget to listen to our inner wisdom, to our inner voice. Because the answer is always inside. The question is, are we listening? And sometimes it's our ego who is always screaming when we are not treated fairly, but the tiny little voice still in there, somewhere in the back, very quiet, waiting to be heard. But for us, it's difficult. So you need to create a practice of meditation, of forgiveness, to be able to heal that little voice and to recognize when it's speaking and to respond to it instead of placing our authority into other people's hands. Mm-hmm. Like I, I say a lot of times, a lot of times um, that we, we are who other people want us to be rather yeah. than being who we really are. Yeah, because everybody has expectations. Uh-huh. Like parents have expectations of what success looks like, what you're supposed to do. And when you go against the grain, you become this weirdo <laughs> who suddenly decided to leave right. your life. Your <laughs> like, what's the matter with you? Why are you doing that thing or not doing that thing? Yes, yeah. And I say, I have said many times like the when when that happens when you start to speak up for yourself or start to do things when you take back your own sense of authority mm-hmm. the people that want you to do what they want you to do they usually point the finger and say you're being selfish because i'm not doing what you want me to do <laughs> i'm <Yeah>. being selfish <laughs> Who's being selfish by wanting me to do what you want me to do as opposed to what speaks to me and what's right for me? Right. It's ironic, isn't it? It is. It is. What's your, what was your mom like? What was your relationship with your mom and dad like? What did you learn from them? Well, from mom, I learned that you need to be patient and need to be... Submit, not submissive, but you need to be compliant. So even even something is not working out, you stay together as a family for the sake of having a family, uh-huh. having a mother and a father. So I learned that you need to be patient. And when you are being abused, verbally abused, you just I don't know, <laughs> do something, but you still stay together. Because people don't get divorced. You, th- that's how, you know, we were growing up and being divorced is like a taboo that you're not supposed to do that. It's not right. It's something is wrong with you. <laughs> so everybody stays. Mm-hmm. They live in the fighting, in the quarreling, but everybody stays together just for the sake of being together. Mm-hmm. Even though miserable, feeling miserable on the inside. How did that impact you as a child? Well, I was I was afraid of my dad growing up. <laughs> so you got to obey or I wasn't, he didn't beat me or anything. It wasn't any physical abuse, but it was such kind of authority that, you know, if you don't do it, like we had the curfew, you had to be in bed by 10 o'clock, whether it's raining or whatever, like hell or high water, you got to be in bed by 10 o'clock. In Who every goes day. to bed at 10 o'clock? Not me. No, now as a parent, I understand because the children, they need rest and it's good for them. But I wish there was more explanation as opposed to barking orders. This must be done. Right. Because I said so. Yeah, like yeah. like that. So uh, I, called, I, I take a different view. Like now me as a parent, I and I, I, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm more lenient. I'm not as barking and I'm trying to explain things to kids like when something needs to be done a certain way as opposed to just just because I said so, just go do that. Right. So I, I think I flipped like 360 degrees from how I was growing up to with my kids and 
when my parents see what I'm doing with my kids, they don't like that. So how do you allow your kids to be who they are? How do you, how do you teach your kids to claim their own sense of authority? Yeah, well, I, I let my kids, I think, lose a lot. Uh, if, if they're not killing each other, I, I don't interfere. <laughs> I I like to see good things in, in them and pointing out their strengths instead of zooming in on the weaknesses. So you didn't do this, or you didn't do that. Yeah. Yes, like we got, we got to do the things that are important, but also... I want them to discover what is their natural talent and natural gift is without me enforcing my will upon them. And kids nowadays, they have so many opportunities to learn, to do different things. And I wish I had that when I was growing up. And oftentimes it's difficult when, you know, when I tell them, you're going to do this, this and this, and they don't want to do anything. They just want to go and sit and watch TV all day. So I got to be the enforcer that kind of, okay, let's do this. Let's practice a skill. Let's learn dancing or this or that. They're like, why do you make us do this? This is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like my daughter is great at, at, at painting and drawing and she has an amazing mind. She uh-huh. can create beautiful things. But I ask her, like, do you want to go like enroll into a program or do some? No, I already know what to do. And my son, he is great at dancing. And uh, uh, same with him. Like, why? why, I already know how to dance. Perhaps you might want to improve your skills. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I know in the end of the day, it all, I mean, it matters. But the greatest thing that would matter is if they have self-esteem how they are, you know, being brought up and how they, my greatest hope is when I'm no longer around, they can take care of themselves and be uh, proper citizens, not proper, but they can Good. be self-reliant. And, and uh, yeah, that, that's my hope. And I hope by me pursuing my passions, I can inspire them to pursue theirs. Mm-hmm. So I do the singing, I do the painting and the baking. Dancing is a little bit behind, <laughs> but I'm always I'm passionate about learning about ourselves and about the world in general and pursuing the hobbies. Don't let your hobbies die. That's, that's my, my thing. Yeah. So your sense of creativity, it's really exploring your own, uh, you're exploring your own creativity. Yeah. In fact, I recommend to people to practice 10 minutes of joy every day. Do something that sets your soul on fire every single day. Just like you brush your teeth to have good oral hygiene. Well, if you do something that sets your soul on fire every day, just for 10 minutes or more, if you have more time, to practice that muscle of joy and happiness. And it's not to say you're going to have brain bones and unicorns all the time, but it's something to look forward to during your day. Uh-huh. Keep yourself lifted. Okay, let me ask you, how do you know what sets your soul on fire? How does somebody know? How does somebody know? Like, what does that even mean? They, they can, uh, if I call, depends how old they are. They can remember what they used to love doing when they were little kids. Uh-huh. Or if they always wanted to try something, just go and try that. Don't Don't wait another day, whether it's learning a language or... Painting. I discovered singing. It, it was my kind of solution. One of my things that uh, allowed me to recover after breakup is learning how to sing and getting a voice coach. And at, in the beginning, I sucked. I didn't. I wasn't so good. But as I practiced, uh, because it's something that has to have a skill in the end of the day, not, not just something to do, but if you have a, s- a skill that you can develop and you build up on it every day, like, I don't know, like when you learn how to run, you first, you know, rolled, then you climb, and then you were able to make your first steps, and then you run. It's ability to build a skill in a certain area, and then that, that singing, that when your soul comes out to play, it comes naturally. So I don't uh, start, like I'm not happy when I start, but as I practice it, as I'm in the middle of, of the thing that I love doing, that that soul that it comes to life then 
So with singing, let's say, when I start to sing, when I feel not so good, when something happened or to lift up my spirits, after 10 minutes I've been singing, I feel amazing. Mm-hmm. So my soul becomes on fire through the process of doing something I love and because I build upon it like any skill that you learn, mm-hmm. it allows you to discover that. And it could be different things. It could be Pilates or swimming or baking or doing public speaking, <laughs> right? could be anything. You said, did you say that you joined Toastmasters? I did. Yeah. yeah. What was that experience like? It was incredible. I recommend it to, to everybody. You don't have to be a public speaker, but if you lack confidence, if you, uh, because it allows you to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And because of joining Toastmasters, you're not there alone. You have a community. And I think we learn better when we are pursuing the same goal together. We all start with an icebreaker. <laughs> and then we go from there by taking, you know, as you deliver more and more speeches, you practice your public speaking muscle, you become more uh, present, you become more alive. You're able to express yourself emphatically, enthusiastically, be present, be passionate, be charismatic, and inspire your audience. (laughs) And by storytelling, I think it's the oldest thing of all. Before there was school, before there was written word, people used to relate their history by sharing stories. So, And that medium of podcasting, I think, is amazing because we can come on each other's (laughs) shows and we can share our stories and we can inspire others. So, Toastmasters is an incredible tool to have for anybody. It should be, in fact, if I was in charge of education, <laughs> I would put this thing in schools. <laughs> I agree. As, at early age, because right now, when I was growing up, we were reciting poems, like memorization, because you practice your memory, you practice to be presenting in public. And I know they have like some debates or something that you do, but to have a class on that, Separate. I think it would be good for kids to learn. And yeah, they, because even it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Yeah. It doesn't and, matter. It just matters that you feel comfortable speaking in front of other people. And, and you, and you don't, well, I don't even know if it's feeling comfortable, but I think what you said about being comfortable in your discomfort. Yes. Yes. So that we can recognize that it's not going to be always easy or feel easy. It might feel, oh, this is, you know, you get kind of butterflies or you feel a little anxious or whatever, yeah. but to do it anyways. Right. In fact, I have a story about that. Uh, so I was selected to deliver a speech in an international, was not, well, international uh, humorous speech competition. Uh-huh. When was this? This was in 20. Was it 2019? Oh, just a couple of years ago. Okay. Yeah, or or 18. But the point is, I was chosen and I delivered a humorous speech, just a a day in the life of a single mom. (laughs) And I had to present in front of 50 people, live audience, first time. I've never done that before. Oh my gosh, you must have been scared. Of course, I was preparing in advance to do that, but... At the moment came as you sit in the audience and you hear your, your name being spoken. It's time for you to go on stage. As I was walking to, on stage, I was feeling the butterflies in my stomach and like wondering in my mind, what if I'm going to forget the line? Like, what am I going to do there? <laughs> and as I got on stage, as I started uh, like speaking my, started speaking my speech, I saw how audience was hanging onto my every word. And mm-hmm. I felt that vibe. And even though feeling butterflies in the stomach, I was able to transfer that energy. <laughs> and I actually felt amazing because I, I saw that they, they want to hear what I have to say. And they are laughing with every word. And they want to listen to the end of the story. <laughs> and I became comfortable. I became excited. And I wanted to do it again and again. <laughs> wow. Crossing through the fear. But then you know, owning it and feeling the energy of the public, of the people. That was amazing. I I think if everybody would learn, I, I feel like we have this misconception that if we're going to do something, we have to be perfect at it <laughs> immediately, right? You just have to know everything that you're doing as opposed to I'm fumbling 
I'm going to make mistakes. That's okay. That's part of the learning process. And to like use humor, I mean, (laughs) to use humor to say, oh my God, could you believe that I did that? Isn't that hilarious? Like, don't take yourself so seriously. (laughs) Yeah, we we forget. We became so serious with our life that we forget to live. We forget to, you know, to be kids. Have fun. Have fun. Find joy. Yes. Yeah. So, so tell me about your process of going through your divorce because you went from a place of complying, not feeling your own sense of authority, not speaking up for yourself, not doing the things that brought you joy. Um, tell me how you got to that place, you know, going through your healing journey to, yeah, tell me how, tell me about that. Sure. Uh, so divorce was just kind of a, a, a physical representation of something that was emotionally already over. Mm-hmm. So, so it didn't feel like such a, a, a hit, a hit, a, a breaking point was when three days before my son was to be born, I find out that everything was apparently a mistake. That was a blow because I had still my son in my belly And so I felt like my body split in two pieces. I had the sun in my lower belly. And uh, my heart, I felt like, was being split open. Uh And the whole form inside of it. And so as I was, everything after that was a blur. Because the life at the point that I knew was no longer real. It felt like it's someone else's life. Mm. And going through, you know, giving birth and then healing being emotionally broken, physically in pain after giving birth. It was a C-section, but nonetheless, like recovery and everything. And uh, going like this emotional roller coaster. And still uh, back then, we kind of, we went and saw psychologists, but I I never felt hurt. I actually felt worse after seeing psychologists. Really? Why? (laughs) Because according to him, because I don't own Gucci bags and I don't drive a Mercedes, separation will be easy. (laughs) What? That's how he was thinking. Meaning the separation will be easy because you're not materialistic? Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. I don't need a lot of money. I'm going to be okay. So never, we never discussed any emotional problems or any like issues that we can resolve. There was not never a conversation about that. It was, oh, how are you doing? How's it going? And I could never understand how could a guy who is happily married with his wife and kids could, could ever understand where I was coming from and yeah. being in my shoes. Right. How could he know? Yes, he has his theory and he has his books and he finished his courses and, you know, he's a smart guy, right? Right. But how could he understand what I was going through? Right. Where I was. So those sessions didn't help me. And then the sessions were over and we were kind of back and forth. And official divorce was uh, about two years after the betrayal and the separation and all that stuff. So it was just a confirmation of what already happened. And then... uh, I was already on my recovery. My recovery already started before divorce. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, so my son was born in 14. I think my recovery started in 15. And it was as simple as me taking a walk, taking crossing over the threshold of my home and taking myself on a walk. That was the first thing I ever done for myself. And there was no turning back after that. Just simple walks in the morning to clear my head, and to exercise my body, to connect with nature. And that's all I did. That was my morning routine. As I go out for my walk, I get to clear everything, and I get to just experience nature. And then I added other components. Then I heard, uh, I was on a pod, uh, listened to a podcast of a PhD professor in chemistry who was sharing about process of nutrition from a chemical perspective. And it was interesting. Why would a chemistry PhD talk about nutrition? 
Uh-huh. So I was very fascinated and excited, and I don't want to discuss with anybody, but after listening to that podcast, I decided I wanted to become a vegetarian. And my health goal was I wanted to take care of myself better because there was nobody to take care of me. It was now my job to take care of myself. Right. Emotions of my body. And as an unintended consequence, I lost 10 pounds. And losing weight was never the intention. Intention was to just have a better, be healthier. Yeah. So it was an incredible journey. And then I, you know, joined Toastmasters, started speaking, and I joined, I got myself a voice coach and started singing. And through my pursuit of my hobbies and, and dancing also, I was able to form people who are pursuing similar hobbies. Mm-hmm. So I was able to have the, those people who kind of lifted me up in that different area of my life, whether it was dancing or singing. I also started doing painting again. And, and that was incredible. And what happened later is what culminated in September of 2019. I was in Phoenix, Arizona, attending a growth summit. And there was a YouTuber on stage, even Carmichael, who said there is not enough belief in this world today. And you should help somebody who is a step behind you. And this is the person I wanted to help basically myself, that person who was coming out of a breakup, feeling lost, loss of identity, feeling lack of clarity of how to, what's the next step to take. So I decided to help those women who want to rediscover who they are and become happy again. And then in 2020, Reclaim Your Life was born with Happiness Academy, my program. (laughs) And uh, the podcast for single parent success stories was born as well as an inspiration to inspire single parents. Yeah. And then all the different pursuits of uh, NLP, NLP, uh, all the levels, practitioner and master practitioner, hypnotherapy, timeline therapy, and NLP trainer completed last year. And Reclaim Your Life is all about living, dreaming, and growing. And so the living component is about fitting the pieces of our life. So our emotional, physical, mental health. And this is when I went to pursue Hollow Body, which is a wellness certification with Mind Valley, and 10X Fitness, which is about longevity. And dreaming component is about following your dreams. That's a lot of growth. Yes. In a very short amount of time. Yes. And I feel so much better than I was in my 20s. I actually feel alive, living my life today than I was when I was in my 20s. I felt like I was living in a dream or I was living someone else's life. Like there was this person and there was this life, but I wasn't actually present in those immediate uh, time when after the breakup, everything was a blur. Like I remember when my daughter made her first steps or uttered her first words. And with my son, it's not such a vivid of a memory because I was Mm. living in that fog. Yes, I was physically present when it happened, but I don't recall it because it was just like flying over. (laughs) Right. Because you're so, I feel like when you're going through that, you feel so lost. Yes. Like you said, it's like a loss of identity. It's a loss of direction. It's a loss of what the hell am I going to do now? (laughs) Uh, How am I going to get through this? Because I'm all all by myself trying to figure this stuff out. Yeah. And no one really tells you how hard it is. No. And no matter how many books you read, just like when you become a mom, you could read a million books. (laughs) But when it, when it actually happens, it's a totally different thing. Right. You can only experience it when it's live. When you're doing it, then it becomes part of your knowledge. But other than that, it's just knowledge consumption without application. Yeah. I, um, I hear some people say, I mean, I read a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but I think... I think I've read almost every single book and almost every single book, maybe not every single one, but almost. Um, but a lot of times people buy a book and they just put it on the shelf and they never read it. So it becomes instead of self-development, it's shelf development. (laughs) 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 Shelf development. But when you, I, I feel like 
um, I feel like this is such an important aspect of really living because so many times we put ourselves on autopilot based, you know, and, and live according to other people's expectations or our obligations or responsibilities or the things that other people think we should do or should be, you know, should be how we should be as opposed to asking yourself, what do I want? What's important to me? Exactly. What am I, what am I interested in? What am I, um, you know, what, what excites me to wake up? Is it, you know, Oh, I have, I have this pile of things that I need to get through or is it, Oh my gosh, I really need to go take a walk because I breathe in the nature and feel connected to what's around me and am moving my body and connected to my body and not worrying about all the things I need to do or should do. But it's just that sense of presence in the moment. Yes, because we only have the moment. We don't have the past. We don't have the future. We only have the now. Because so many times, um, so many times people don't live in the present. They're either holding on to the past, you know, all of the um, baggage that they're carrying around with them, whether it's, um, you know, anger or resentment or fear or judgment or whatever the things are that they keep dragging around because they haven't learned how to process them in healthy and constructive ways, or they're worried about what's ahead. You know, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to support the kids? How am I going to, you know, get them this place and that place and this place and that place when it's just me? Yeah. So how do you, how do you balance that being a single mom? I mean, we talked about this on your podcast that it can be very challenging, especially if you were not the primary breadwinner in your family um, Mm -hmm. to figure out how to juggle it all while still trying to nourish yourself right and take care of yourself while you're trying to take care of everything else so how do how did you learn to be more present in your life through your divorce i i believe i'm great believer of a morning routine it doesn't matter when you wake up it matters how you wake up and what you do for yourself in the morning so that first hour is very important how we start a day because we are very impressionable as soon as we wake up so we want to mm-hmm. feed our mind with good thoughts so meditation practicing meditation practicing forgiveness forgiveness is a daily occurrence let's say you have a grudge on somebody don't go to bed with that emotional baggage Clear it up every single night or every single morning as you wake up to allow yourself to have a clarity of mind and a peace in your internal peace. And then take yourself on a walk or move your body because our bodies were created to move. Read something inspiring, whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's a page. <laughs> but every day or listen to a podcast or an audio book, and that's what I do. I go on a walk. I love to watch sunrises. And as I walk, I also listen to an audio book or a podcast. Something amazing, something that fills you up. And connect with nature. See how beautiful it is where you live, whether you're in the forest or by the river or by by the beach. Take all of, of those sights in and feed your mind with beautiful things. And then, you know, journal. Reflect upon what you are thinking about, what you are feeling. Do a brain dump, as they say. <laughs> if something All right. Tell fun. us what a brain, tell us what a brain dump is. Well, brain dump you can do any time of the day. Anytime your head is full of thoughts, of ideas, clear it up. Just write no constructive criticism. Just write it all out. Clear your head and do it continuously. Because uh, like oftentimes you have a lot of to-do lists or this and that. And doing a brain dump allows for clarity of of thinking because you don't have to think about that thought that kind of bothering you. You have to do something. (laughs) Put it on paper. Get it out of your head. 
think of it as a, as a processing, you know, thing that you have to kind of do as a continuous exercise. Mm-hmm. Gratitude is also important. So when I wake up, as soon as my head hit the floor, I'm just saying that it's going to be an awesome day. And simple as that. And the, being grateful for things that are going well in our life, whether the fact that we are still awake today it means our job here is not done. Right. <laughs> you, you mean being, being alive is something I should be thankful for? <laughs> I, took, I took walking for granted until I dislocated my knee. Oh, yeah. And now every yeah. day I walk, I say, thank you, my knees, for supporting me. And I know it sounds silly, but we, took, we take so many things for granted. Our right. body, how many processes are happening as I talk to you right now, like digestion right. and right. thoughts and the fact my mouth is open and the words are coming out and they make sense. <laughs> we take it all for granted. <laughs> I know I, I had hurt my wrist um, t- two years ago, I think, or actually three years ago, right before I got divorced. And I could not open a door. I could not turn the key and open my lock because it hurt so, so much. And I, you know, or, or carrying a, a gallon of milk, you mm-hmm. know, or carrying a bag of groceries that it, it hurt. And I thought, oh my gosh, I take this so for granted, you know, like, oh, I just open the door. Like it's not a big deal. Right. <laughs> and so you, I mean, you said you fell on the floor and you couldn't get up. And that was the first time you called 911. Yes. Yeah. Because you could not move. Mm-hmm. And then to recognize. I was breathing. I wasn't bleeding. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. If I don't do it, nobody is going to come. Right. So appreciation for the little things in life, no matter how little we have. I mean, we talked about this earlier that, you know, there are so many people who have so much and yet they're not thankful for any of it or they don't appreciate any of it and they and they don't um they're not really happy internally they they don't feel fulfilled they don't recognize you know their own sense of abundance or richness and then there are some people who have very little material things and yet they have a sen- deep sense of appreciation and joy and happiness, you know, they're happy to be alive. They're happy to see nature. They're happy to connect with the people that they love. Yeah. Were you a joyful kid? Do you think? Yeah. Yes. I, I, I had a great childhood. I was growing up, uh, my grandma and great grandma. And I, I used to have, I used to have uh, like designed clothes for, for, uh, for girls. And I had the dream of having my own fashion design company. Uh-huh. <laughs> like your shirt that you created? Like my shirt, yes. Come on, come on, show us, show us, show us a little peek. It's beautiful. Yes, yeah, so I thought by me creating shirts, maybe it would become a fashion design company later on. <laughs> You could. I mean, inspirational, like that's a big, hot thing now. Just inspirational things as opposed to garbage, you know, that I think, you know, (laughs) stupid stuff as opposed to, hey, let's inspire people when we walk around. Right? (laughs) Is that your kids? (laughs) Yes. Keeping it real. Hello, your mom's on a podcast. <laughs> I just saw him peek, uh, sneak behind you. <laughs> hey, Max, happy birthday. <gasps> real life. <sighs> I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> this is what happens when you're a single parent. <sighs> it's all right. All good. All good. Okay. So tell me, um, tell me more about how your NLP and timeline therapy and hypnotherapy help people. Sure. 
So NLP is a model at how we relate to people, how we relate to others, uh-huh. and how we relate to ourselves. So it's if you compare NLP to psychology, psychology is about the content of a problem. And NLP is the thinking that got you there. Because we all have strategies on how we do things, how we think, how we uh-huh. buy, how we laugh, how we get motivated. We have a lot of filters, how we see the world. If I give this analogy, like when you're looking through a mirror, through a glass window, we have a lot of dirt and a lot of dust. And this is how we see our world. And this dust and dirt, quote unquote, this is our perceptions and values of how we were growing up. What kind of values did we learn as we go forward? And with that, we see the world. So we sometimes don't see, or like I, I could be, and you, we could be looking at the same thing and you could see some part of it and I would see something totally different. Right. Because everybody has their own unique perspective. Exactly. And we all have values and values is what drive us. Because what's important to me may be not so important to you. And right. so NLP allows to see how you think. What kind of strategies you have and how the, the language is so important because our mind is always listening to what's coming out of our mouth uh-huh. and we constantly give instructions and our mind, our brain wants to comply and will always deliver, show you to prove to you that you are right. So if you think you are wrong about something, you will find the evidence in your life by giving people experiences and things to confirm to you that you are wrong because your mind always wants to make you right. Even in your wrongness. (laughs) Exactly. So it will only show to you what you believe is true. So if you say something is hard, then it is. If you say it's easy, then it is. Yes. Yes. Because you will see confirmations in our reticular activating system. Uh You heard of it many times. Yeah. Yeah. When you go by a car, Suddenly, you see the same model make and everything driving around everywhere. Uh-huh. And before, you didn't notice it. So, what's going on now? Right. Now, because you made it important for your mind, you highlighted it for your mind, and you told your mind it's important. So, now your mind is going to cut out all the noise and it's going to focus your attention. Think of a flashlight in the forest. You only see what you need to see. Because right. That is what is important. So, you're going to not see everything else because the cars were always there. You just didn't care before that moment. Just wasn't important to you. Exactly. Same with everything else. Relationships, you know, things, events, all the same. So NLP allows you to to see through it, cut through that kind of wireframe and see the real thing. And another thing is it allows for you to see choices. Mm. That's the biggest thing. So let's say there is a problem, and before NLP, you can only see one solution to that problem. Uh-huh. Maybe two. After NLP, you see 20 solutions to the same problem. Really? It creates a possibility for you. Uh-huh. It opens up your mind and allows you to see, you become more resourceful. So it's an incredible uh, thing. And it would be wonderful to say if it's taught in school. <laughs> I don't think they will allow that. Wouldn't it be nice? I mean, just change, shifting your thoughts. Yes. Shifting yeah. your thoughts. Shifting, you know, when we were talking earlier about emotional intelligence too, or meditation, or all of these life skills that people actually really need. Yeah. I mean, it, if it I'm not an me. engineer, I don't really need to know calculus. Right, right. And I'd be interested in it, but <laughs> yeah. It teaches you not what to think, but how to how. Think. Yes. Because we every throughout our childhood, throughout our life, we are being taught what to think. Mm-hmm. And NLP teaches you how to think. Mm-hmm. It teaches you to understand what is your frame? What is what is your frame of reference? What is your model of the world that you see? And allows for a possibility. You also become more respectful of others in terms of everybody has their own worldview of how the world right. is. Right. And, and it's not to say it's my is better than yours. It's just, right. it's just different. It's just different. You respect that fact. You're not as aggressive. 
Like, oh, you don't agree with me? What's wrong with you? <laughs> and with timeline therapy, it allows to clear negative emotions and limiting decisions, allows to create a, fu- a future a timeline event. And with negative emotions, we all have them. And they're not negative because they're negative. But they're heavy emotions. They're right. stuff that you don't want to live with. Imagine holding a brick for an hour. Probably okay. For a, like half a day, not so no. okay. Right. What if you hold a brick for a whole day? Your hand will probably drop and you will feel numbness. And the brick is probably going to be on the floor. But with our emotions, we carry them for decades, for years. and Your they, whole life sometimes. Yes, and yeah. next emotion is good in a sense. It's an alert system. When you feel something not good, something negative, it's to alert you, oh, something is going on, and to shift, not to live in it for years to come, but to shift. Right. It's a good alert mechanism. Right. But we're not using it in a such a way. Right. So by clearing your negative emotions, it's going back to when it originated like emotion of anger, let's say. It could be when you were very little or it could be in your prior timeline or passed down to you genealogically. And we get to go back. We get to see the event. We're not erasing the past. All we are doing is be looking what is it to learn from the event. With that learning, we then move forward and we reevaluate all of the subsequent events that had anger in it. So you get to revisit all those things and get the lessons because our greatest thing is to get lessons and move forward. And lesson right. is always something positive. So not living with the grudge, not living with the trauma, but being able to clear it, whether right. it's depression or anxiety, by clearing the negative emotions allows you to reimagine the life, thinking, think like you're getting a, a fresh start. You get to see everything with different set of eyes. It's like you cleared your windshield a little bit more. <laughs> the process is not done because we right. are continuous students away. But you did a little cleaning here and you have a glimpse of space that opened up and you keep moving in that direction. And hypnotherapy, there is no forced hypnotherapy. Everything is a self-hypnosis. So if I tell you something and it's against your beliefs, you're not going to do it. You're right, it's just important. a suggestion. Exactly. And if you agree with the suggestion, then it will work for you. <laughs> right. And hypnosis allows also to relieve of trauma and uh, quit smoking or lose weight, uh, get yourself on a better state when you're not feeling so great. You can give yourself a little self-hypnosis and feel pumped up and excited. And kind of, give, let's say you didn't get a good night's sleep and the next morning you got to be up and running can give yourself a little pep talk and feel awesome. Do you think the emotions comes first or the thoughts come first? Hmm. That's a good question. I think thoughts. Thoughts create emotions, I think. And if you're experiencing an emotion, then does it create a different thought? Yes. <laughs> it's just one of the things I'm, I'm curious about. Cause, you know, cause there are some, there are some times where I think, um, that you can be running the, those negative tapes in your head yes. and that will, that will create a sense of anxiety, but there, because it's all in the same system, mm-hmm. you know, they cause, they, they cause repetitive habitual patterns. Yes. And so how do you, how do you break the pattern? It's not just, Oh, we'll just change that thought. It's like you have to, you have to get, do take care of both in the system. It would be like saying, you know, in order to, to have a healthier body, you can just think about being healthier. It's like, as opposed to just go take a walk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There have been many studies done and, and there was a study like that too. Like just thinking about something, uh-huh. I think with athletes, they had three groups. They had one group who didn't do nothing. Second one who actually went and exercised. And the third one who just thought pra- about pra- they thought, but they practiced in uh-huh. their mind. So not just thinking, but actually practicing uh-huh. visually, not physically, but visually. And they noticed similar improvement in the ones that actually did the physical and the one that just imagined about it. 
Because for our mind, our mind cannot tell a difference between something that is imagined and something that is uh, real or fake. Uh-huh. In fact, Marisa Peer has a great book, Tell Yourself Better Lies, because we constantly tell lies to ourselves. Like, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I am stupid. I am broken. I am whatever. What if you say to yourself, yeah, it's not true, but what if you say to yourself something that is not true, but in the end it's going to make you feel better? I'm healthy. I'm amazing. I'm super abundant. I'm... I like that. Tell yourself better lies. Yes. Yeah. <gasps> because then, then it helps us shift that emotional state. Yes. Yes. And with the negative, uh, how you start that negative chatter, there are several techniques you can do. Uh, one was developed by Daniel Amen, who is a, he, he took, he's a psychiatrist who took images of the mind. Uh-huh. And, After studying several hundred patients, he discovered that the same patient with dementia could have different parts of the brain activated. So how could we prescribe the same kind of treatment to the two patients with same diagnosis, but different parts of the brain that are active? Interesting. Kind of uh, prescription. And mind is the only psychiatry is the only profession or psychology where they cure the thing that they are curing, but they have no idea what. Like, Ow. <laughs> like, like, let's say when you break a bone, they're gonna, you're gonna go to a, a, a surgeon and they're gonna take an x-ray and they're gonna see, okay, this is what's broken. This is what we're gonna do. <laughs> or if you go to you do a cardiogram, something is going on with the heart and you see the irregular heartbeat, right? And then they're gonna work on that. But with mind is kind of, they cure the mind, they give diagnosis, they give prescription pills, but they have no idea what is it's look like. So that guy, Daniel, I mean, he created this technique called end automatic negative thoughts. And mm-hmm. think of it as he come up with it one day he came home and his house was raided by ants. And he, as he proceeded to stamp out the ants, said, mm, what if our, our thoughts, <clears throat> just like those ants, pesky ants, <laughs> they're negative thoughts. So just stamp them out physically as you hear them. Interesting. Just do the physical act of stamping. Some people wear a rubber band and you right. pinch yourself. Right. And it, of course, first it takes the recognition. Oh, I'm on that same wagon of negative thinking. Right, right. Because sometimes the wagon running and there is no registration that it's running. Right, right. <laughs> because you We're not paying it. attention. We're not being yeah. present. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the techniques, just stamp out your negative thoughts like they are ends. Because imagine, think of the, you have this magnificent, beautiful mind. And our job is to protect it, to be the guard standing, to not allow any negative information in, any thoughts, any people, any unpleasant situations. Right. So think of those thoughts as invading your beautiful garden. What are you going to do? Are you just going to let, let them run and destroy everything? Right. <laughs> stop them? Right. So that's, that's one of the things. And then uh, being present. When you're eating something beautiful, savor that morsel of food. Or when you see something beautiful in nature, just take a little pause and slow down because our life is so fast-paced and we're constantly running to that next goal, to that next thing that we forget to live and be in the present moment. Right. So slowing down, being grateful, because the mind that is grateful can create a peaceful heart. Mm. You cannot be in gratitude and have the negative thought at the same moment. It's not possible. That's beautiful. Practice gratitude. That's a quote I learned from Mahatri. <laughs> that a, a grateful mind, mind can create a peaceful heart. Yes, yes. Some, something along the I love lines. that, Irina. Yes. So practicing that, you know, the gratitude, the end technique. <laughs> and I, I, re- I forgot I had another one. I actually did an, a video on that, <laughs> on how to stop the negative chatter <laughs> and take charge of your mind. Uh huh. No, it's really important because um, it's like you have to do all the things that take care of every single part of your system. If you're not taking care of one part, then you're not, you know, then you're off balance. 
Yes, yeah, because we we have uh, four states of being, and it's important to take care of all of the health, whether it's emotional or physical. Just like for physical health, we we have uh, habits that we create to maintain that. So whether it's walking or exercise or movement and nutrition and sleep, because our rest is also important. Right. For emotional health, we need habits as well in our life, like meditation, like forgiveness, like gratitude, like being in the present moment. Those are all habits that we can create and it will make our life experience so much better. Yeah. You would actually feel alive if you practice those things. And of course, you cannot right. do all of them at once, but wherever you are in your life. Well, some people can. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to change, if you want to make your life better and you realize that something is not working right now, this de- devise practices of what, how do you want to live your life? And right. then what are the habits that allow me to get there? Right. In Mind Valley, uh, Vision Lakianic. Uh, who is the founder, he created three most important questions that you can ask yourself. You know, what kind of experiences I want to have? What are the skills that would get me there? And what do I want to contribute? Mm, and you nice. create that. You create that for yourself. You can think, okay, how? what kind of life I want to have? And if, you, if I want to have these experiences in my life, what do I need to learn? to be able to have that. So like, let's say you want to travel the world or you want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Well, what do you need? Do you need to learn your stamina, improve your stamina or, uh, you know, build certain practices or like in your case, you travel the world by being an airline and you fulfill your desire or your, right. because you have, I think experience of travel is very important to you. So you are right. living your life because in the end of the life, when everything is said and done, we want to have Something that was a beautiful experience of living and experiencing life to the fullest and not just a life of quiet desperation. Right. Just ticking off boxes and right. fulfilling obligations, but forgetting to actually live. live. Yeah. So, so important. You um, are a wealth of wisdom. You, you. I mean, this is why we resonated from the very beginning is because, you know, we have similar stories. And I think that we both have recognized through our own healing journey that it's so important to take care of ourselves, you know, to honor ourselves and to recreate a sense of what is meaningful for me, what brings me joy, you know, how can I use my creativity to enhance my life and my experience and just do the things that light me up, like we did when we were little kids. Yes, without right? playing and having fun and exploring, and you know, doing all. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. Well, if you feel that way now, then perhaps you should listen to that message. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Irina, the last question that I ask my guests um, is, how do you define real love? I think real love is, uh, first of all, relationship that you have with yourself. Yes. So you truly love yourself. And having the, the values and the quality, like taking yourself out on a date and doing what sets your soul on fire first. Mm-hmm. And then being able to, because once you establish that relationship with yourself, you can then give it to others because we cannot pass on to others what we don't have ourselves. Right. You have to be the example you want to give in the world or be the light, right? We were talking about be the light. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So how do people get in touch with you, Irina? So I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is re.claimyourlife, reclaim your life. Uh, my website is Irina Shovtsov. My podcast is called Single Parent Success Stories. Available on all major platforms uh, where you listen your podcasts. And I also have a YouTube channel called Happiness Academy. Yay! All right, we'll put that all in the show notes. Um, So, and for all of you, I'm sure you've gained so much wisdom from Irina. I mean, she's such a beautiful woman and has accomplished a lot. I mean, I, you're just inspiring me to like, Oh yeah. Singing lessons. Oh yeah. Painting. Yeah. I really wanted to do that. I've never, you know, I've never really tried it except when I was with my kids, you know, little, but that's what I said. Like Monet did his greatest paintings when he was in his eighties. 
right? So you never know. Yeah. You never know. Was uh, singing on stage, and I thought I was the oldest. I was the youngest. We had the bass guitarist in his seventies who had a better uh, nightlife than I did. (laughs) My (laughs) tourist, and the mom of two teenagers who was a drummer. Yeah. And another guy who was a dentist that was playing on the banjo guitar. So it's never too late. That's never to too late. Or whatever you yeah. like. It's never too late to be young again. My dad my dad always says um growing old is mandatory, but growing up is optional. Like, you know, keep that youthful spirit, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. So um For everybody who's listened, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share with all your friends, subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, uh, iTunes, Spotify, all major podcast platforms. Please leave a five-star review and tell us what you liked, what you want to see more of or hear more of. uh, And yeah, share the love, share the love, share the light, because I feel like so many of us are stuck in these patterns (laughs) patterns and just stuck right so if we can help uplift people help uh, bring some light and share some love to uh, help everybody live a more inspired life and create more deep and beautiful relationships you know starting with that one with themselves like can you imagine the huge paradigm shift in the world yeah would be awesome. Yeah. And so if you want uh, to have, if anybody has questions uh, or wants more support uh, with the things that I focus on, you know, healing your relationships, healing past, creating new, a new life for yourself um, beyond your toxic relationship or your struggle, you know, your struggling relationship, going through a divorce, you can contact me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, I'm on Clubhouse speaking a lot. And um, yeah send me a message and I'll see how I can help support you. So thank you so much, Irina. Um, And I think, did I say the mantra of the podcast, the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself, which you mentioned, which ta-da. Hey, you did it without even prompting (laughs) because it sets the stage for everything else in your life. You know, when you have a good, healthy relationship with yourself and it's never done, you know, it's always a work in progress, um, but that we're continually learning and growing and expanding and loving ourselves more and, you know, sharing our gifts and talents with the world. It's really beautiful when you give to yourself and then you're able to give to others. It's like everybody benefits, right? Yes. Yeah. You cannot serve from an empty container. Exactly. Exactly. So thank you so much, Irina, for being here today. Um, you're an amazing guest, amazing woman. You're inspiring to me. I'm sure you are to your kids. And, uh, yeah, we just, we, and we should, we should collaborate more for sure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you. So thank you, uh, listeners every day. Wake up to more and more real love. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye. Subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, leave five-star reviews, and of course, share with your friends. You can find Dawn on various social media platforms at Dawn Richard or at The Awakening with Dawn.